Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the Billings Adventist Church podcast. This is where you will find previous sermons from the pulpit of the Billings Seventh Adventist Church in Billings, Montana. I'm Pastor Stephen Carlisle, and I just want to say welcome home. I am so glad that you've landed here. And if you're new to our church, or even if you're from around the world, I invite you to head over to BillingsAdventist.org, hit the contact us, and let us know that you've been listening. Again, so glad that you've joined us. Now let's go ahead and listen to this episode's sermon. Good morning, church. Oh, it's so good to be with you this morning. I got to tell you, this morning, I have been an emotional mess, just an emotional wreck. I couldn't tell you. Michelle's been gone for two days now. She flew home Thursday morning to spend some time with her mom and her sister and her grandma and uh, visiting my old church there today. I've been trying to do this single dad thing, and I'm failing miserably at it. Like, I'm just not good at it. (laughs) And I was driving to Bridger this morning, and I just kept pondering just how, how blessed I really am. I mean, he gave me the most amazing wife who called me this morning to pray with me, gave me incredible children who got up this morning and picked out what they were going to wear and jump in the car when it was time to go. Two church families that I get to see both today who care so much about our family. But not only that, I pondered just how far Jesus pulled me out of the life of sin and into a life of salvation. When was the last time that you stopped to ponder just how much God has done in your life? You think about the crossroads in your life. You think about the decisions that we've made in our life. I, you know, I get it. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we want to fixate and focus on all the, the mistakes that we've made. The things in our life that we wish we could change the things that we think that are so important, all of those things that life has thrown at us. I mean, how many times do we just say, I, I gotta be better, I gotta be better, I need, to, I need to overcome this, I need to do this, but when was the last time we stopped and we pondered and we looked back just how far Jesus has carried us? This morning we continue our series the Sermon on the Mount, I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. I told you this was going to be like the longest series of your life. One verse at a time, basically, as we've been going through this. It'll, it'll pick up as we, as we go through, but I want to just remind us briefly what Jesus has been building. That's what he's doing here. He's building something. These are not... 
individualized in and of themselves. You can't take one beatitude and pull it aside and make it stand on its own. Jesus is building something. And we're going to see as he continues to layer these things on top of one another just how strong this kingdom is that he's building. Seeing the crowds in Matthew chapter 5, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt who know that only by God's grace are you saved. It is only through Jesus and what he's done for us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those, in in other words, blessed are those who are mournful of what sin has done to humanity, but are comforted by the grace and the salvation of freedom of Jesus Christ. We may mourn what we've done in the past, but we find comfort in what Jesus has done for us. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth or the land. Blessed are those, in other words, who yield themselves completely to the Spirit. Wherever Jesus leads us, wherever he tells us to go, wherever he tells us to stop, whatever he tells us to do, we don't make excuses as to why we want to keep doing the things that we want to do. We stop, we yield, and we say, Lord, If you want this, this is what I'll do. I mean, and only that meekness that we have between our Father allows us to be meek towards others. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Who hunger and thirst for Jesus, our righteousness. And now we get to blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we have opened your word and as we begin to read and we study it out more, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be in this place, flowing through our hearts and our minds. Lord, that you would anoint my, my tongue and, and my, my words and, and my mind, Lord, that the words that I speak would be from you and you alone. And may we hear and live it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who are full of mercy, for they shall receive mercy. Now one thing I I should just preface again about the Beatitudes, these are not behaviors that we strive for in trying to obtain attain these are Jesus is basically declaring these are these are people that are doing these things and if we find that we're not hungering for righteousness if we find that we're not meek if we find that we're not poor in spirit this is the time that we we seek the Lord in prayer and 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 surrendering ourselves to him that he would do these things in our life but one of the things that I think that mercy sometimes happen is especially when we see this or if we also read, you know, um, that golden rule, right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is kind of one of those things, well, if I show mercy, then I'm going to receive mercy. Now, I want to receive mercy, so I better show mercy. But that's, that's not what this is 
any part of the Beatitudes, it's not like if I do this, then I get this. That's, that's not what it is. You're not blessed because you do those things. You're blessed because of what God promises in that. And it's the same thing for those who are merciful. What in the world does mercy mean? What is mercy? And why should I be blessed? Because I'm merciful. Or, or why should I even want mercy? I mean, mercy is tied to compassion. Mercy is tied to love. Uh, throughout Scripture, you'll find that Jesus is, talks about mercy in the Old and the New Testaments. How, how It even describes who God is. God of all mercy who's merciful and gracious. So here's the thing. Mercy is one of those things that's really hard to define. It's better to describe. It's better to show it. And so I invite you to go with me a story in Scripture, not too far from here in Matthew 5, as we go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. So Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. One verse jam-packed of details. Jesus is passing on from where he was, saw a man called Matthew. And, and we know that, that Matthew is, is Levi, right? Levi Matthew, Matthew Levi, which kind of gives us a, a, a brief picture of who Matthew was. I would imagine that if, if Matthew is a little Jewish boy growing up in Jewish culture, and even with that Levi, maybe some ties then to the Levite tribe, maybe Matthew set out to become a teacher or a rabbi. Maybe, we don't know all the details of his life, but, but maybe he was, he had, well, as, as all Jewish little boys, he would have been learning the Torah, he'd been learning the, the, the commands, he'd been learning all the things about God to have a better understanding of who God is and what God had in store for those around him. You can imagine that Matthew probably had a lot of potential, and you would imagine that his parents had very high hopes for what he was going to be just like any parent and their child. And you can imagine just how disappointed parents can be when you call them and you tell them, Mom, Dad, I'm working at a tattoo shop. That's what I'm going to do. You're doing what? Mom, Dad, I've decided to become a tax collector. You're doing what? You're switching sides. You're supposed to be with us you're supposed to be helping and now you're going to join the side of rome and you're going to oppress your people you're going to be working against god you can imagine that when matthew and for whatever reason we don't know his story we don't know how he got there all we know is he got there and as he's there collecting taxes against his own family his own blood his own tribe he's despised how could you I mean, it's one thing, okay, it's one thing for a Roman guard or citizen or whatever to come and 
take whatever they wanted to take, but you're one of us. How could you do this to us? Jesus, he knew Matthew's story because he's Jesus. And as he walks by that booth, as Matthew is actively collecting money, actively, there's, there's, Matthew doesn't come to him with, I've left this, I've repented from this. He's actively taking money. Who knows? He could be taking money from his mom at that very moment. I mean, you got to think about, the, the, you know, from a cousin or from a brother or whatever. I mean, there he is actively taking. And Jesus sees him and he calls to him and he says to him, follow me. Follow me. Now, this isn't the first time Jesus has called somebody out of their profession to follow him. We've got fishermen. But man, the difference between the socioeconomic ladder and money is totally different from fishermen to a tax collector. And what does he do? The Bible says he rose and he followed him. He rose and he followed him. Now, I don't, I don't know. I don't usually talk about movies and TV shows and all those different things. But I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've watched The Chosen before. Uh, the Chosen, if you're not familiar, it's a streaming uh, show all about the life of Jesus. Some people like it, some people don't, whatever. Uh, I tend to like it. Uh, I think that it's pretty spot on uh, biblically. Uh, I haven't really found anything that throws up any red flags or alarms. And I don't know, you might be interested to know that one of the resources that they use is Desire of Ages to help get some of the backstory, things like that. Kind of cool, all right? So anyways, there's a scene in that moment that Matthew is working and Jesus walks by. And Matthew has, has been watching Jesus and watching some of the things that he's been doing and the crowd of disciples that Jesus has been bringing together. And it's just this moment that, that just comes together that as Jesus walks by, he catches the eyes of Matthew and Matthew catches the eyes of Jesus. And it's this just incredible moment where, I mean, you know how shows and stuff, the music hits and you can just see that something's about to happen. And Jesus just looks at him and he says, Matthew, follow me. And here's Matthew in this tax collector booth who lives a very good life, who's got a guard right next to him, who's, who's there. And he just, his first question, me? Come on. I love that. Me? Are you talking? Me? You're really asking me to follow you? His disciples are around him. Those who know him and who have run-ins with him because he's taken their money and things like that. Jesus, do you know who this guy is? Do you know what he's done? He's against us. I just don't get it. Well, you didn't get it when I called you either, Peter. 
He says, but this is different. I wasn't a tax collector. And the famous line was, get used to different. This idea that Jesus didn't care. He saw a heart who was drawn. Maybe it was the roots that, that Matthew has grown up in. What, whatever the case is, there was something in Jesus that Matthew saw, and there's something that Jesus saw in Matthew that, that a connection was made, and Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew says, me? I don't know about you, but oftentimes it seems like we're, we're, we're just like, so proud that we look at it and we say, yeah, of course Jesus called me. Why didn't he? I mean, look at, look, look, look at me. Look what I have to offer this church and this kingdom and, and all these different things. Are you kidding me? Every one of us. Me? Really? Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? Do you know who I hang out with? You know the decisions that I've made? They've been sketch. Jesus, me? Really? Follow me. Follow me. So, he does. Now, this is not, you know, biblically or anything like that, but I just think it's interesting. It's, it's funny because on that, on that scene, as they're walking away, Matthew says, well, where are we going? He says, we're going to a dinner party. And he says, I'm not allowed at dinner parties. He's a tax collector, remember? And, and Jesus says, well, that won't be a problem because you're hosting it. <laughs> and that's what we see here in the, in the story, right? Jesus is reclining at a table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and recli- were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So Matthew is ex- so excited about what has happened, what has transpired, that he's been called, and, and the, really the mercy that he's been shown, and now he comes and he throws a party. And who does a tax collector invite to a party? More tax collectors. The people that he runs with, he doesn't know. First of all, he may know all of his cousins and friends and the little kids that he grew up with, but they don't want anything to do with him. So how in the world could he go to them and say, hey, come to my party? And they're going to be like, no. You're going to pay for food with my money. Like, they're not going to do it. So he invites all of his, his tax collector friends. And the Bible even says, sinners, and he's, Jesus is reclining. And they're all reclining. Jesus is sitting there with tax collectors and sinners. That's where he chose to be that night. That's where he chose to be, was right there with them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, by the way, I think that's an interesting note. <laughs> they couldn't say it to him. They didn't want to say it to his face. So you know who they went after? The fresh, brand new disciples. The ones who've just joined the ranks, right? I mean, this is early on. Jesus is calling his disciples. And so what do these Pharisees do? They don't want to talk to Jesus to his face. So instead, they go to the disciples, his followers, and that's what, this is what they ask. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors 
and sinners. Why does your teacher do this? Really putting them on the spot. Can you just imagine just how confused they were? Like, ooh, we don't, we, if we say the wrong thing here, we could be getting everybody in trouble. And so I would imagine there's probably this awkward silence that happens and Jesus gets up because he hears it. The, ver- the Bible says in verse 12, but when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 13, if there was ever a slap, I think this would be it. Go and learn. (laughs) He's talking to Pharisees. Go and learn. Go and learn. And this is what he says. And this is the thing, is he references the Old Testament. So he's, he is telling them, go and learn something that you've already studied and you think you already know. This is what it is. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Go and learn what this means. See, the Bible in here, and it's talking about sinners and what Pharisees called sinners, and Jesus even says sinners. And, and, and it's one of those things that Jesus is probably speaking their type of language so, so that they get what he's trying to say. But to a, a Pharisee, a sinner is a person who has violated the law according to their interpretation. And, and, and really, in the culture, a sinner would be anyone that's, that, that is openly doing something that is against what God's word would say. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of, okay, I'm right there with it. But Jesus, a sinner was anyone who remained opposed to God's will. And so it, it was this idea that even though they had an interpretation of what the law should be, and they then defined what a sinner was, Jesus had a different definition. And, and as, as they have this conversation, the Pharisee consider themselves to be righteously healthy before God because they define righteousness by their observance of the law or their sacrifice. But like many of us, we are blind to our real sinfulness before God when we are opposing what God is doing in our life. So he says to them, go and learn what this means. Now, you find that uh, in Hosea, and uh, if you want to go back to the Old Testament and look at that Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6 is where you find it and what's interesting is the words kind of change a little bit because what one word meant in, in, in Hebrew doesn't always translate exactly over in the Greek and so 
What's interesting here is what you see is something written a little bit differently, although some versions will say right out uh, about it in, in Hosea chapter 6. It says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But another way to read it and another way to look at it is, I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice for knowledge of God, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. See, in, in, the, in that context, and even in the context of Matthew chapter 9, people were very fixated and focused in on the behavior, the things that we did, how we did it, the law, the sacrifices, how we go about doing those things. And as long as I didn't cross this barrier or I didn't do these things, then I'm considered safe. And so they had a lot of rituals. They had hand-washing rituals. I mean, you think about some of the things that Jesus challenged in the day. It wasn't necessarily what was in the, the Torah, but it was, it was later, it was like these added-on things that were, that were just kind of man-made stuff. And those are some of the things that Jesus kind of pushed back on. I shouldn't say kind of, he did push back on. And, and as he was doing those things, he, he recognizes that, that many people had put their salvation or their safety in that, in the, in the way that we do things. And things aren't really different today. We like to put our safety in what we believe or how we live our life and how we do certain things. But Jesus says, I desire mercy, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. It doesn't, Jesus isn't saying that those things are completely negated and they don't matter whatsoever. Of course, how we live our life makes a difference. But what Jesus is getting after is, is this idea of a, of a connection and a relationship with him. And by having that connection with him through the Spirit, that's what he's looking for. I mean, you've got to look at it. Who is, he, who is he hanging out with? Matthew, the tax collector, and the tax collector friends, and the sinners, which could include all kinds of different people and professions. Things that you, you and I probably would not go hang out with. And Jesus says, ultimately, you're asking me why I'm here, sitting here, because this is where I belong. This is where I need to be. This is who I've come to rescue. So he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me just, as we look at this picture of this story, we'll just call it for what it is. Jesus is mercy. Jesus is mercy because God is mercy. It is, a de- it is a definition of who God is throughout Scripture. You will find in Exodus that he is the God uh, 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 that is gracious and full of mercy. We find even in, in, second, or in 1 Peter, it talks about being full of mercy. We'll go there in a minute. But Jesus is mercy. And when he walked by the tax collector booth, he extended his mercy to Matthew. And through that mercy, Matthew steps out of the tax collector booth and leaves that behind to follow 
Jesus. As he has just encountered mercy, he then goes to all of his friends and his acquaintances and the people that he works with, his co-workers, and those, those people that are acquainted, and he brings them together so that they too can encounter mercy. And so he brings Jesus, who is mercy, into the group, and Jesus is now showing mercy to all of those he's around. But the Pharisees come and they don't understand, they don't get it. And the real question that I think needs to be asked is would we? Let's not point fingers. Do we get it? Do we understand? what true mercy really looks like? Are we on the same wavelength as the religious of the day? Think about it. Are we merciful people? In other words, are we people who are full of mercy? Are we people who are compassionate, who are sympathetic to others? Are we people who are full of love? Naturally? No, we're not. We are humans. (laughs) And our cold hearts, that's just, we believe there are consequences for our actions. We believe that you reap what you sow. We have a lot of labels for a lot of different people. And so we'll want to call people pagans or we want to call them lost or we want to call them wicked or we want to call them sinners, whatever the case is. We often care more about behaviors than we do anything else. Do we get it? Because mercy is different. Mercy is compassionate. Mercy is being sympathetic even to those who've put themselves in a bad situation. I don't know about you, but I've put myself in plenty of bad situations. And God has been merciful to rescue. That doesn't mean that consequences aren't there. But the mercy is so much greater. Mercy seeks to reclaim instead of condemn. Mercy sees every human being as a child of God. See, mercy comes from the God who is all merciful. And so naturally, we would not show mercy. Naturally, we would look at others and we would judge. We'd compare. We'd condemn. We'd say, well, if they just get their act together, if they could just quit this, if they could just do this, or I can't, I'm not going to help them. I helped him last time. What, you name it. We do it. We justify it, whatever the case is. But here's the thing. If we're not merciful, if we're not merciful, according to what Jesus says, we would not receive mercy. Now before we jump into a rabbit hole and think, oh, now I've got to, you know, it's works-based, now I've got to be merciful so I can receive it, that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what we're getting after. The thing is, is, When we have a merciful heart, 
It is because we recognize the mercy that has been given to us. And when we are merciful towards others, our hearts are put in a position to be open to the one who's showing us mercy so that we can accept that mercy and it can transform our life forever. In Thoughts of the Mount of Blessing, it says, the heart of man is by nature cold and dark and unliving. Whenever one manifests a spirit of mercy and forgiveness, it's not because he did it himself, but it is through the influence of the divine spirit moving upon his heart. In other words, we love because he first loved us. Here's another thing that she says that I, th- I think is just perfect. The merciful are partakers of the divine nature. And in them, the compassionate love of God finds expression. Get it? In them, the compassionate love of God finds expression through the merciful. All whose hearts are in sympathy with the heart of infinite love will seek to reclaim and not to condemn. She continues, Christ dwelling in the soul is a spring that never runs dry. Where he abides, there will be an overflowing of love. So naturally, no. But with Christ, it's a new life. It's a new heart. It's a new way of living. We're no longer cold to one another. We're no longer judgmental towards one another. We're no longer critical to one another. Instead, we show mercy. We show mercy. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. you're new to finding Bible verses, which I know some of our young ones are learning their Bible and trying to find everything. So we were in Matthew, so go to the right in your Bible. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. First Peter chapter 1, starting verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great what? His great mercy. What does he do according to his great mercy? He has caused us to what? To be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what mercy does, is it brings us to Jesus. So I go back to those words of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall be shown mercy. They will receive mercy. Mercy is Jesus. When Jesus enters into our hearts, we see just how merciful he's been. And it changes the way that we see and treat others. We become full of mercy. And to give that mercy to those around us. There are stories that Jesus tells, parables that he tells of those who show mercy and those who don't. We've studied those out. This was a big deal to Jesus. And it's why he tells not just the religious leaders of the day, but I think he tells us as well. Go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means, Billings Adventist Church. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. How do we do that? I mean, it's one thing to know, like, okay, I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to show mercy. How? Here's one thing I want to leave you with this week. Give it a shot. Give it a try. I want all of us to spend more time thinking and focusing on how God has shown you mercy throughout your life. Can you do that? You know, everybody has a testimony to share. Sometimes we don't want to tell our testimony. I get it. But we all have a time and times and more times in our life where God has broken through the most difficult, dark times in our life to show us mercy. What would it look like if we began to stop and ponder how God has shown mercy throughout our life? Like I said, it's easy to look at us today. Things that we need to overcome and things that we wish we had under control. But also today, we compare ourselves to other people and say, well, at least I'm not like that. At least I'm not like the rest of the world. At least I'm not like them who believe this or them who believe that. But what if we pondered how God is showing us mercy today and how he showed us mercy yesterday? And how he showed us mercy the day before that. Throughout our life, God has been there to show mercy because that's who he is. So yeah, I think about the time that I was on my knees in my apartment, but I also think about the time that, that I almost I was being stupid and, and, and driving cars that are fast out on land and things like that and, and almost flipped over or almost stepped on snakes or, or, or almost found myself being killed by gunpoint by all these different things that, that I've gone through throughout my whole life. I look at it and I say, Lord, it's only by your mercy that I'm still here today. And it's only by God's mercy that you're sitting where you are today. We have to recognize that. We recognize just how merciful God has been. And when we recognize and we see and we praise him and we thank him how merciful he's been with me, then I can show that mercy to somebody else and you better believe that God is showing his mercy to them too. And God is working on every heart. He is always, always, always showing his love, his kindness, his patience, his mercy to every single person. So why not be in business with God here? Why not be the same one who could go out and show just as much mercy to those around us as God has shown to us? 
Because that's what Jesus is saying. When you encounter mercy from God, you're going to show it to other people. So blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Go and learn what that means. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being so good to us. Forgive us, Lord, where we have pointed fingers and we have said, Lord, why in the world would you care so much about a group of people like that? Forgive us. Forgive us where we have judged others wrongly, where we have hurt others with our words. Forgive us in the times of our life that we did not show mercy to those around us. Instead, we were critical, we hurt, we caused pain. Lord, I pray that each one of us would receive your mercy this morning as it's freely given and that you would transform our hearts to want to give as much mercy as we could possibly give can't do it on our own lord it's only by you filling us guiding us leading us thank you for the mercy that you give to us that caused us to be born again who caused us to be a new creation in christ it's caused us to receive salvation and it's causing us to receive an inheritance that is coming for your people for that we are grateful for your mercy so lord may your spirit fill us May we be partakers of your divine nature that your mercy would flow through us and show mercy to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.